And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of When the Music Stops. I am very excited today because I get to talk to someone who um, I'm kind of a big fan of, a little bit of a fanboy. Uh, I'm here today with Michael S. from the uh, Keyword Crypto podcast. Uh, so he's Keyword Michael. He's on the show today. And uh, thank you very much for joining us, Michael. It's, and it's actually S, S Michael because it's synthetic Michael. Yes. So Michael, what, what Michael is, is that we've over collateralized a lot of uh, crypto and then we've printed Michael from that. And he's a synthetic, um, he's a synthetic podcaster. So, um, so Michael has been running a really cool podcast that I've, I've enjoyed personally um, well before I started my podcast. It's called Keyword Crypto. Um, and the thing with Keyword Crypto is that it's not like a lot of crypto podcasts in that it doesn't have, I guess, one slant to it, where it's like, this podcast is a Bitcoin maximalist podcast, or this podcast is a nano podcast. It's kind of like this podcast is Michael's thoughts confronting every possible angle of, of crypto. I, I think I, I summarize it well when I, when I say it like that. What do you think? Yeah, that's about right. And um, so you've been doing this since 2018, yeah, summer of 2018. And you originally, you started with, with a, uh, uh, I guess it's a friend of yours in the space. Um, it's uh, JJ, right? Yeah, we met up at a, um, a Crypto Daily meetup in Venice Beach in California, Los Angeles. And we, we stayed friends and we were sitting around at a, and I wanted to do something in the crypto space. So I had an idea and I pitched it to JJ to see if he wanted to work with me and he and he liked it so we started working on that it didn't really work out we were sitting at a coffee shop talking about crypto like we would we would meet up to talk about the company and we'd end up just sitting there talking about what we saw on Twitter for an hour and we never we would never get any work done I was like you know what? this is actually what I really want to do I just want to do this just like coffee talk talking about crypto um, not really having a subject matter in mind but just kind of allowing ourselves to um, free, free form think about these topics because it's so easy to have to limit ourselves to like, you know, to like three minutes. All right, you have three minutes to talk about this topic, go. And it's just like, it's, it's, and me and JJ were both talkers. It was very difficult for us to kind of like really formulate um, long lasting opinions about something with these short interviews that we were hearing. So I pitched him that, took him a while to convince him um, and finally did it. And then we just kind of started running with it. You know, and I, I love just how much you guys change your opinions. Like it's in the titles of your podcast because <laughs> podcast number 10 is like Michael goes bear dot, dot, dot. What does it all mean? That's the name of your podcast. <laughs> and I love that because, and, and, and the, the artwork for your podcast is a gigantic bear. That's like just a grizzly. That's just yeah. eating. It looks like he ate the head. Just sitting on someone's sitting face. Sitting on someone's face. And who is he sitting on? I don't know. Usually JJ or me at the at the time, like in our, like in our, in our minds. <laughs> I mean, so originally it was called it was originally it was called Michael and the Bear. So JJ was the bear, and I, I did it as a joke, but it didn't have cryptocurrency in the name. So after about a year, it's like, dude, we gotta. No one, no one is gonna be able to like do a search for cryptocurrency, and our podcast is gonna pop up. So I told them we had to change it and. We were bouncing ideas back and forth, back and forth for a day. And he and he was like, how about keyword crypto? And I was like, ah, oh, it's amazing. Perfect. That's it. Well, excellent. So what we're going to do in this episode is a little bit different. Michael and I noticed that uh, either we start a podcast together or we have to narrow down uh, the way that we communicate. 
because we have six hours of material uh, just picking one topic. So what we've done is we've taken my producer out of the shadows, out of the dark caves, the, ta- the tavern of, of where he lives and sleeps, um, and we've brought him forward. He's going to uh, ask a few questions that we thought were interesting. We'll answer them one at a time for a few minutes, go back and forth, and then uh, Gordon, uh, my producer, is going to just tell us to shut the hell up and move on, and then we'll see how far we get. This sort of opened a, a can of worms, Michael, because I've been told you have some interesting political ideologies, so we're just going to jump right in. The capitalist class has ruled for certainly decades, some, some would argue for centuries. What can actively change that? Like, do we need, do you think it, it goes at the heart of taxation? Do you think that slows down capitalists? Or do you think there are other solutions that would redistribute wealth in a humane fashion? The only thing I've seen work are taxes and voting for people who put people before pro, uh, company profit. That's it. I mean, Europe's parts of Europe have done it where they have high taxes and it redistributes and it just it, and that redistribution isn't about handing people money it's about making sure people don't fall through the cracks so places with higher taxes uh let me rephrase that democratic democratically elected governments with higher taxes tend to have fewer cracks for people to fall through um that and places that have lower taxes tend to have wider gaps that people fall through and so you see that in America versus like Canada, where um, people say Canadian healthcare is terrible, and yet Canadians have a longer lifespan, they have higher happiness, they have lower rates of obesity, they have, you know, across the board, Canadians are just healthier. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, we can say, people love to say America has the best healthcare in, in the world, but if you only have the best healthcare for 0.01% of your population, then it's not the best healthcare because you have to take it. I mean, you have to take the average and the average is not good. Is not good for America. Um, so taxes that go to the people as opposed to corporations. So we had a $2 trillion tax cut, $1.9 trillion tax cut under Trump that went to rich people and corporations that did not bring about any kind of economic success. Um, and then, um, just kind of having a proper education system that teaches people the civics of a country. Cause we don't, we don't have a, we don't have civics in high school anymore in the U S and it shows, I mean, the majority of people in this country are painfully ignorant about the, the inner workings of this country. And, um, you have late night talk show hosts going out on the street asking people basic civics questions and the majority of them aren't getting them right. And and in my mind, capitalists love that because capitalists love when people are uneducated and can't make informed decisions because then they're susceptible to propaganda. They're, uh, they're susceptible to gaslighting. They're just, they're, they're more easily malleable versus people who are educated and can actually push back against misinformation and disinformation. So I think that I think those those three things are are what could fix a country like America to something that's more socially democratic like some of the European countries. 
in Asian countries. Okay, well, um, there's a lot of stuff that I agree with, Michael, there. Uh, firstly, thank you for uh, conceding uh, Canadian supremacy. Uh, it's something I've been talking about for a while. Uh, and people, you know, uh, don't seem to appreciate that our maple syrup is is the purest and our hockey players are phenomenal. Um, so that's the, the first thing there. Um, but but, uh, you know, on a, on a serious note, a, a lot of what you what you say in terms of the specific problems and issues and concerns are, are things that that I, I very much agree with. Um, I think that a, a society, in order for it to be equitable, uh, needs to respect all people, needs to have good safety nets, needs to have things like a strong system of education that does not uh, exclude people based on, uh, you know, race, ethnicity, but also finances. That's a really big one. Like if you're poor, that doesn't mean that you cannot get a basic and decent education. And this is very much uh, called into question in the United States currently, as you mentioned, with people on the streets being asked basic questions about civics, for example, uh, how the country is run. Um, there's a very low bar there. And what this does is that people with money can go to school, people without can't. Um, the, the, the one thing that's interesting uh, about these problems, and, and as uh, Michael mentioned, things like, a per, you know, uh, like tax, taxes, and I think a progressive tax makes a lot of sense, um, you know, taxing a lot of the, uh, the most productive um, and most profitable parts of our society, and then making sure that the society is more egg-shaped so that you know, the schools are very good, no matter how poor you are. You know, all, all those things I can agree with, the, 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 the thing where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with is, is, or at least I think I disagree with Michael, is that I don't see cryptocurrency, at least I don't see it today, as being conducive or solving almost any of these problems. And, and it looks like, if anything, crypto makes a lot of these problems much, much worse. Um, so, for example, um, you know, one thing you want in a healthy society is transparency and money inside of regulated financial system where you can see if a politician's being paid, you can see what stocks, you know, wh whoever owns, you can actually uh, observe uh, fraud and crime. You know that when a, when a company makes profit, that's taxed, which means it's not hidden. Um, a lot of crypto is, you know, fundamentally, it's just, it, it, it's none of those things. So for example, in crypto, we all talk jokingly about the cabal of whales, right? It's these big, large holders of crypto tokens, like the early starters or the people that did some marketing or shilling in the beginning or someone just, you know, hacked some, some money, and now they have a lot of this, 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 these assets, and they're just faceless and nameless. And this fundamentally does not help a society deal with things like, you know, actual poor people. Um, another thing is like insider trading and manipulation, which of course is going to be a problem in regular finance, but in crypto, it is the way things are. Like, it's like, it's the standard. The standard is, yeah, everything is insider trading manipulated, um, unregulated, uh, uh, you know, money laundered, uh, obfuscated, um, uh, like completely opaque uh, exchanges that that um, you know uh, lie about the volume they're dealing with and 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 might not necessarily be solvent. Um, hacks and thefts, for example, that disproportionately affect um, people in the space that know less. So the less educated, uh, there's nowhere for them to go. There's no government to protect them. And this is some of the worst part of crypto is that it harms so many middle class and poor people, people that don't know how to get in at the right time, which coin makes sense, what the tech is. You know, if you need to read a white paper and fully understand something, and that's when you don't get burned completely, you know, completely burned, to me that's a problem because we can't expect everyone to be interested in computer science and economics in order for them to, um, to, 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 to pursue crypto and, and, and do it well. So I, I think 
my my sort of uh, the, where I land, and I think this might be a little bit different than Michael, is that I see a lot of crypto as exacerbating these really important problems that a lot of progressive policies could help. Um, and I, 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 I worry that we're not seeing the positivity that we definitely need, we, we want. Like we, you know, Michael and I are looking for actual solutions. Um, we're like investigating and, and I, I'm not sure I see a lot of that uh, today. I mean, look, the, six, the $600 million hacker is giving it all back because he knows that you can't really do anything with it. Everyone, I mean, the more he, the more he moves it, the, the more people are like, oh, yeah, we know who that is. It's easy, to, it's easy to track these people now. Even if you have like mixers, even if you have that, it's like you can't do anything with it because as soon as it gets to any, as soon as it gets anywhere, people are going to like, how did that address get, you know, $50 million out of nowhere? And so this stuff is all, that, that's the great thing about it all being um, open for everybody to look at is people are tracking these people down pretty quickly. And, and, and lo and behold, he's magically giving it all back. So I don't know if he had a crisis of conscience or if somebody emailed him and said, hey, I know who you are. I'm going to fucking murder you. And because we don't have governments do, doing anything, he just said, uh, okay, yeah, I'm going to give everything back. So who, who knows what, it exact, what actually it was, but for whatever reason, he's giving it all back. So I don't think, I mean, everything with the Quadriga, that's not really cryptocurrency. Everything with, with centralized exchanges, that's not really cryptocurrency. That could happen with, I mean, you know, Mt. Gox wasn't a cryptocurrency exchange at first. It was a Magic the Gathering exchange. So they just added cryptocurrency to it. So it's like any kind of centralized exchange is going to have this problem. So that's the whole purpose of cryptocurrency is to get away from the centralization and have stuff be all above board that we can see, that we can track. And and you don't, I don't know half the stuff that I know because I know how to track this stuff. It's because I found watchdogs that I trust who consistently tend to be right and who give the information in a clear and present way that I can, that I can, I can understand and I, and I follow them. And that, I mean, that's how it, that, we can't know everything. You have to trust somebody in your life and it's about learning how, who to trust and, and what levels. But if, if your goal is to insulate people from, from, you know, getting a boo-boo and, and experiencing any kind of emotional stress. I, I hate to break it to you. It doesn't exist, and those people would be worse off for it. People learn from tragedy. People learn that fire's hot by touching fire. It's very difficult to explain that fire's hot if you don't have you've never experienced fire. It's physically impossible. How do you explain what water is until somebody jumps in the water or drinks it? And so to say, like, I'm going to I'm going to protect everybody and and, you know, it's going to be such a perfect world. It doesn't exist. People people learn quickly from tragic situations. The, the, the goal is to not have it be so tragic that they kill themselves or they kill somebody else because of it. That's that's what my goal is. And then to help people learn from their mistake and say, oh, so this is what happened to you. This is how do you how you mitigate that. This is how you stop that from happening in the future. But I don't think that stopping anybody from experiencing any kind of harm is a good thing. Yeah, I mean, so this is an interesting point. Um, so for, let's start with the hacker. The hacker is returning the money. Look, it's unclear. This is one hacker. Most hackers in crypto absolutely did not return the money. And it's very hard to catch them. And the re reason why is because crypto is decentralized. And what decentralization provides is resilience to regulation. So it's very hard to stop anyone from doing anything. 
And so what happens is when Mt. Gox was hacked, when Quadriga, uh, when Gerald Carden from Quadriga, um, um, you know, essentially uh, stole all of the users' funds, when, um, you know, DeFi hacks happen, when just bugs like lose people money, uh, it's often the case that uh, it doesn't work out to the benefit of people. Occasionally you have good luck and the guy wants to be a hero and he wants to return it. That's great. But it really is not the story of crypto. Another thing is, is exchanges. So you, you can say that exchanges aren't part of crypto. I kind of agree because they are centralized, you know, independent businesses. But the problem with exchanges is that modern regular exchanges still are regulated and they're dealing with money that someone can't just run off with and it like completely vanishes and disappears. You know, cash, yes, that, that, that's true. But with digital money and with, you know, digital money only being allowed to go through regulated entities, it's much, much harder to get away with, with essentially what's happening in, in, in cryptocurrency. Um, another thing, you know, talking about, you know, boo-boos and, and making sure people, uh, you know, they can get hurt up to the point where they want to kill themselves. I think this is very much not what, what any sort of, I, I don't see this aligning with progressive uh, philosophy because progressives say, look, you know, not giving people universal health care, um, you know, the conservatives might say, well, you should, you know, you should get health insurance. And if you, if you break your leg and you lose 50 grand, that's on you. You know, like you should, you, you learned your lesson, but I don't think that is at all the case. I think we should have strong safety nets. And I think that it is important to make a well-regulated environment that doesn't let people get to the point, you know, just before they want to kill themselves, where they lose a lot of money, where their, where their whole family is impoverished, where they can't get out of a, a negative spiral. A lot of these things are what we see in crypto. And I don't think it's, it's, it's good to have a system that's this free market. It, 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 it's strange that Michael you, you give this argument, which is like super free market, like let whoever wants to get hurt, get as hurt as possible. But it's clearly not what you believe with your, your, your political views where it's like, no, if, if a, if a 30 year old mom of, of two single mom of two is working and she's, you know, not making a ton of money, she still deserves healthcare because if, if she doesn't have that, um, she's going to, you know, like it's unclear what's going to happen. And it, she might not kill herself if she doesn't have universal healthcare. Obviously there are a lot of single moms in America that don't have universal you know, that aren't protected by some healthcare plan, but we should strive to, to, to make people's lives better as a whole. And right now with, with crypto, you do have this extreme wild west of like perfect free market capitalism with no regulation to the point where like literally hacking, stealing money is completely protected in crypto as code is law. Um, and it's very hard to stop those people. I think this is fundamentally antithetical to like just progressive and, and, and equitable uh, thinking, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Michael to say some concluding thoughts here. I mean, I joke around with people that I'm I'm a, a free market socialist, meaning I believe in socialism for things that I can't say no to without dying, like healthcare, water, energy, um, housing, the the basics that we need to survive at this point. Internet, because the the entire world pretty much runs. Uh, off of internet it's very difficult to get a job if you don't have internet um and then for everything else just have at it but but regulate it so it is a free, it is an equal playing field um because like like with that single with single mother with two kids i don't have a problem with her um having you know somebody firing her as long as the government's there to make sure that she doesn't end up homeless because of it so that's what I mean about closing the gaps. You're not stopping people from getting hurt. You're just making sure that when they do get hurt, they don't jump off a bridge. 
um, because they're worried about where they're going to live tomorrow or, or how they're going to feed their kids. So like basic sub, like basic survival um, regulations like that that help people just the bare minimum of survival. And then because, you know, I joke around also that like society, especially Americans, are, are really weak individuals. They're emotionally weak. They're physically weak. And like the ones who sit there and go to the gym, you know, 50 hours a week sure they're physically strong but if you put them in a situation they 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 emotionally freak out and you know have road rage and this and that it's just like just in in general it's a very needy society that if things don't go their way people snap and flip and flip the fuck out and it's insane how many things how many people you know we joke around about how many people are like losing their shit on airplanes because they have to wear a mask like how brittle are you that you are going to have a fucking meltdown because somebody wants you to put a piece of cloth over your face to protect the children around you or to protect the other adults around you? Like we're emotion, we're an emotionally weak people. And that's the reason why we're so easy to prey on. Like that's the, that's the, why it's so easy to put pop propaganda on Facebook and have so many people fall for it is because we're uneducated and we're needy and we're greedy just as a society in general and that and that's and that makes us susceptible to misinformation and disinformation and propaganda and we fall apart because of it um so i i, I don't think i'm not saying let's not be progressive in making sure people don't get kicked out of their home or don't have health care. I'm saying let's not be so progressive in making sure people are having their hand held at every single step of the way. There is a difference between a nanny state and a progressive state. And I don't ever I don't and I don't think a nanny state is emotionally beneficial for the people living in that state. Progressive states are. Right, Michael. And so, you know, nanny state versus progressive state. So um, a nanny state would be kind of like, you know, this is right, this is wrong. But what I'm talking about is, you know, you have you have incredible amount of like fraud and deceit and, and hacks and losses. And this is happening to a lot of people like they're just incredibly like crypto like a casino has made a lot of fun, positive stories of like newfound wealth. But it has made a sea of people that have lost everything. And unfortunately, those people don't come out and talk nearly as much because of just just how negative and shameful it is to lose money and to be um, um, essentially, you know, uh, lured into uh, something like SafeMoon that looks great. And then, you know, like you go on the subreddit right now for SafeMoon and it's nothing but I can't believe I just lost eight grand. You know, I can't make next month's rent or I can't believe my wife is going to is going to divorce me because this is so terrible what I did. And she's she's yelling at me. What do I tell her? Do I just keep hodling? Like, I'm so confused. You know, to me, the, 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 the situation is that if we agree that Amazon and Walmart, you know, do things that are really bad, and we agree that people naturally buy the cheaper stuff with Amazon and Walmart, then we should also agree that government has a, a role to, to, to regulate and think deeply, like, do we want these types of industries to exist? Because crypto right now, it looks like everything you say negatively about Amazon or, or Walmart it looks like that, and but in, in in this case, you're kind of giving a lot more leniency to crypto, where it's like, oh, it's okay. There was a hack. Tons of people like lost everything, or an exchange goes bust, and just another like the 84th exchange goes bust. Everyone loses everything. You know, that's uh that's part of of the game. That's part of like you know like lesson learned. But like Amazon uh, destroying the middle class, like is is that not lesson learned? I mean, I think there's something there that's a bit um um you know a a, a bit of uh. Um, that, that, that's contradictory, or at least it doesn't sit perfectly well with me. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm curious what you think about that. Well, I don't have a problem with Amazon pushing the envelope, but at a certain point when people are shitting in bags and pissing in bottles and dying on their work, on their work floor, that's taking, that's not a progressive, that's not a progressive nation anymore. When people are losing their homes and shuttering their businesses and entire cities are collapsing because of Walmart moving into, into their town, that's not a progressive culture anymore. Like we don't live in a progressive country in the U S so to sit there like and say that cryptocurrency needs to uh, to to have some kind of bar that and, and achieve what America achieved when America can't even achieve that bar, I think that's you know, I think that's that's a little disingenuous. And if you want to compare it to Canada, fine. Then say you know if you want to be an exchange in Canada, then you have to have these rules. And we have that in the U.S. for U.S. exchanges, for Voyager and Binance U.S. and Kraken. And, 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 and they say, hey, if you want to be in this, in this country, if you want to work with our citizens, this and you want to be a private company, these are the rules you have to go by. And, and you know, there's FDIC, but FD, there's FDIC, FDIC insurance on cash, not on crypto, but they have insurance for their crypto, which I would never count on because it's a third-party insurance company, so I would never count on that. Um, but at a certain point, people need to learn for themselves. If people are putting all their money on SafeMoon, that's because they're ignorant, not because there's something wrong with the person who built Uniswap. Because the whole idea behind Uniswap is it's a decentralized exchange. They don't get to decide who puts a, a, a smart contract on there or not. And they even have big, bold letters say, we don't know anything about this. So you have to do your research because this could be a complete scam. And check this box and make sure you read it. Like They can only do so much by creating a, an, an open playing field and giving everybody the opportunity to play on it. So... That's fine. People, I mean, I don't know if you've read the history of the U.S. dollar before it was the U.S. dollar and it was just banks. Banks created their own currency. And people had to have a book and say, like, this is the markings of XYZ Bank over in Chicago. So if somebody brings you their bank currency to California, make sure it has this number and this right here and that right here so you don't accept fake currency. So there's all, I mean, it's, been, it's the history of, of people to scam, find scams, get scammed, learn from scams, be better and not get scammed. But we can't expect every single person on the planet not to get scammed anymore. And, and so, Michael, last time we talked, you mentioned that the, 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 the victims of the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme and Bernie Madoff, he, he encouraged people to invest into his, into his uh, um, uh, hedge fund and, and people were putting, putting it in there thinking that it was blue chip stocks. Do you think that those the, the victims of the Bernie Madoff scheme, like they they should have done more research or, um, you know, it, it was like lesson learned? Like, like, how do we deal with that kind of a situation? Well, I mean, yeah, first, like, first rule of thumb is what could I have done differently? If you get scammed and that's not your first impulse, there's something wrong with you. Because if your first impulse is so and so shouldn't have, have, have let me make that that fucking horrible decision that I was going to give this guy a bunch of money and he was going to give me profit margins that were 10x above every other every other exchange and hedge fund in, in the country. Well, okay. If you can't see red flags and you have like you obviously have too much money, you don't know how to manage your money, you don't know how to do any research and to protect your money. It's like at that point you only have yourself to blame. 
but the problem there is that people with, out there are going to steal from the, you. The, the problem there is, is that Bernie Madoff stole from a lot of middle class people who lost their like life savings. And further, the problem there is that Bernie Madoff didn't have extreme gains. Like he had, yes, 10 to 20 percent per year. But that's also kind of within the bounds of the S&P 500. He outperformed the S&P 500, but he claimed to have some sort of, you know, interesting caller type put option uh, calls, uh, caller uh, setup. And he was investing in blue chip stocks and he was telling people the trades he was making every day. And people around, you know, in the United States respected Bernie Madoff like an incredible amount. He was on boards of oversight committees for regulation. And so it makes a lot of sense to think that, yeah, it's plausible this guy made 16% ROI when the S&P 500 made 13%. That's not 8,000%. He was the chairman of the NYSE, uh, or I think it was the NASDAQ, I don't actually remember, but he was like on a lot of public boards as being the kind of trustworthy, you know, person uh, that you could rely on. And so this idea that a middle class person should have seen the red flags, the SEC didn't stop him after like 15 years of red flags. My argument is poor regulation and um, and a government that doesn't crack down on on financial fraud is the issue, not people should grow a pair and like get more educated and understand that they're going to get scammed because we can prevent scams in the same way that if we add a seatbelt law, we can prevent like unnecessary deaths. You know, if we add a masks on the plane law, we prevent unnecessary deaths, even though an 18 year old can decide for themselves. We just decide that no, in this particular case, we want to protect consumers on this flight. And so we have this, you know, we draw a line and it's not because we're babying the 18 year old, but it's because you can't know everything and you can't protect yourself perfectly with everything and you you have 65 year olds who are are retired and 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 their you know their their mental capacities might be declining and now they're falling victims to these things the idea that they should be like smarter and wiser and understand which crypto is this and which crypto is that it, it, it it's tough and and when i look at the victims of bernie madoff the person that i blame is the sec i don't blame uh the, the, those victims because it, it wasn't an obvious scam i mean if it was you know, it wouldn't have lasted 25 years. Well, I mean, the fact that you, you blame the SEC as opposed to the person who actually did the stealing, that, that concerns me. Like, that's, that's, that's almost giving Bernie Madoff a pass and saying it's the SEC's fault that Bernie Madoff was a thief and was stealing everyone's money. N- not at all. I, I, I blame the government for not stopping a criminal. Like, Bernie Madoff is a criminal. He deserves to be in prison forever. And he died in prison, uh, like, uh, uh, on April 14th, I believe. And so of this year. And so he's definitely a criminal. He should have been in jail for like, like indefinitely in like 2001. Right. But he wasn't. Right. And so he was allowed to hurt more people for longer. And then he was only in prison for like nine years. He died a very old man in a fancy prison. He could play tennis and, and, and read books and, 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 and play poker and all this stuff. He died a happy man. Like he made tons of money and he was out. Like we, we got nothing in return for this guy scamming so many people. Um, you know, unfortunately, you cannot say, like, say, oh, criminals are illegal, therefore there are no criminals. No, you need a government to regulate and, and, and to clamp down. The problem is that, is that crypto is essentially encouraging criminal behavior and, and government isn't, isn't jumping in early enough because it's just new tech. And, and unfortunately, the result is that almost everyone in crypto is, 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 is coming off as some degree of Bernie Madoff, uh, where it's a lot of like, um, you know, raising money, not, you know, a lot of disclarity, a lot of fraudulent cases. I mean, you know, look at like EOS, for example, something you talked about, you know, $4 billion of, of, of assets raised 
the project is almost abandoned. Like the, the Dan Larimer guy, he just he walked away from the project just two years later. Um, this is just par for the course. Like, like there, there, there are so many billions lost in crypto. It's crazy. I mean, it, it, you know, a CoffeeZilla said it best. Crypto is the ultimate scammer's paradise. It's the, like, if, if, you, if you look, if you try to talk about scams, crypto is the jackpot because you will find more scams per inch in crypto than any industry. And, and, and that's unfortunate. And that's why I think, like, the podcast that we're doing, that I'm doing here with, with Gordon, is valuable because like, we need to talk about these scams, um, you know, more. I think it's good to talk about the scams, but you know, do I think that if if my friend walks down the street with in in a rougher neighborhood with ten thousand dollars in cash in his hand and just you know blindly walks down the street and somebody pulls out a gun and steals it from him, do I think he deserved to be to have the money stolen? No. Do I think he was dumb for making a decision like that? Yes. Do I think do, would I sit there and say now this is why you shouldn't do that? So I, uh, uh, my, my godfather, when I was a kid, he had a friend from USSR who moved out, who escaped and, and moved out to California. And she walked down the street and she had 20, a $20 bill in her hand. And, they, and he lived in a rougher neighborhood. And he said, you can't do that. You're going to get robbed. And she's like, what kind, of f- what kind of free country is this where I can't even walk down the street with money in my hand without, being, without, it, having sto- without it being stolen? And he's like, I don't know. You want to go back to your country where you have tanks down the street and you're afraid to talk to the person next to you? It's like it's a give and take and you learn. And in her country where she was living before she got to America, she learned not to say stuff to the, to the military, that the military can't be trusted, that the military was corrupt. You know, and then so she comes to this country. She has to learn, OK, I have to protect. I have to hide my money. You know, I have to make sure that it's not easily visible to people. How many people had money stolen from, and, and I told you last time, I don't like what about isms, but because cryptocurrency is trying to be the next internet or the, you know, the next technology, I'm, I'm going to compare it to that. But how many people were scammed um, in the dot-com bubble? Hundreds of thousands, millions, how many millions, how many billions of dollars were lost during the dot-com bubble? People lost everything. Those same people who you're saying lost their money on SafeMoon were, were saying money to their, to their wives then. Holy shit, I can't believe I lost our, you know, our entire life savings on, this, on, on pets.com or whatever. You know, whatever scam, you know, dot-com thing they, they lost all their money to. Does that mean we should get rid of the uh, the internet no like you said you put some regulations in there you educate people more and, and in in the cryptocurrency space the community educates itself the difference between the dot com bubble and and hacks in the cryptocurrency space is that in the dot com bubble people expect the government to fix things and that's totally great because those are all american companies on american soil we pay and they pay american taxes and we and we pay our taxes to make sure the government protects us from people like that you know with both the police and the fire department but the whole purpose of a decentralized system and if people don't know this going in that's they need to learn this and sometimes they have to learn it the hard way is that the community is the police the community does the, the the protecting when somebody makes a mistake with with a smart contract they immediately spread it around to everybody because everybody is susceptible to that unless until they until they fix that smart contract they realize that that if their if their exchange or their de, you know the, their decentralized exchange goes down that in every single other decentralized exchange gets hacked the same way that is not good for cryptocurrency everything will will disintegrate at that point 
the thing about decentralized finance is it is very scientific in the sense of scientists love to have a discovery, put it out there, let people try to recreate it and see if it actually works, and then also start figuring out how could it be better, and then sharing that information with everybody and constantly sharing as much information as possible. And that's what I like about cryptocurrency is it's a very scientific and mathematical that way is people want to share information. They're not usually trying to hide it outside of Uniswap version three. And I think he got a little greedy there and he tried to, you know, uh, Hayden, Hayden, I don't know what you're doing, man. Come on. That's let people steal from you, whatever. It just, it should make you a better person at competing. You're already a billionaire at this point. I don't know what the hell you, I don't know. I don't know why you're so concerned. Um, so that's that. Well, on that note, I want to say that uh, Michael and I, we can talk pretty much for hours at a time because we, we, uh, we, 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 we definitely have a, uh, an interesting um, um, debate. And uh, what I like is that when we talk, we get, we like to get heated, but uh, uh, it's always uh, laughter is always around the corner. Like we know that we're, we're in this for the, for the right reasons. Um, so what, one thing I wanted to, 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 to tell the audience is that, uh, there are going to be more conversations with Michael in the future. There might also be a podcast that's going to be launching with, uh, on, on, um, uh, keyword crypto, which is Michael's podcast. Definitely check that podcast out. There is a website. If you Google or, you know, or, or Bing or whatever, uh, keyword crypto, you're going to find everything. It's pretty widely available. Um, and, um, yes. Uh, one other thing is that, um, Michael and I have been talking a little bit, and uh, I think it's very important for shows like Keyword Crypto to get, um, to get you know a little, at least a little bit of funding. Right now, Keyword Crypto is entirely do- donations based, uh, mostly with cryptocurrencies. You can find all of the all of that information on the site. But uh, Michael also does have a Patreon account, and although I don't have one uh, uh, yet, um, I think it's important to say that if you um, if you do want to support uh, interesting debates, and I think there are a lot of them are happening on Keyword Crypto, definitely uh, go check out his Patreon and um, and subscribe there, uh, because uh, you know uh, you know Michael hasn't asked, and uh, at the entire time that I was listening to his podcast, I didn't know he had a Patreon account. You know, he said that it was in the notes, but you know, let's be honest, how often are you reading you know the entirety of the notes? Um, so check that out. Uh, maybe uh, my three and a half hour discussion with him will be available behind a Patreon paywall. Or other cool things might be behind there. Um, so, Michael, thank you again for joining me today. And do you have any last words for anyone out there? Maybe like a, a little bit of a nano. Uh, um, uh. <laughs> no, no, Ali. I just thanks for inviting me. I had a lot of fun. Awesome. I was gonna say a, a nano, a nano shout out to Patrick Lubris. Patrick Lubris, uh, Michael, and I love you um, because you are you are the the Mormon Jesus uh, sent to save uh, <laughs> cryptocurrency. <laughs> That's the one thing we agree on. Okay. And thank you very much.